Uh, so yeah, so my name's Brendan. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm teaching that Tuesday night class <laughs> starting in July. <laughs> and um, so you know the phrase we've probably heard hundreds of times in this past year, new normal. Anyone else here hate that phrase by now? <laughs> new, new normal. Like we're, we're, always, we're all really sick of that phrase. Uh, and, and, and we're sick of, of everything that that new normal connotes. We're, we're sick of, of live streams and we're sick of virtual schooling. Uh, school's almost over though, guys, right? Yes. <laughs> and we're sick of social distancing. We're, we're sick of all those things. And, and you know, if, I, if I never have to do another Zoom meeting in my life, Hallelujah. <laughs> Mark, maybe that will be heaven. <laughs> uh, but you talk about the new, the, the, the new normal of this past year and all the things we didn't like. Let's be honest. There were some things about the old normal that we didn't like either. Right? And, and, and there might have even, if, if we're honest, we're willing to admit it, you know, lots of bad things happened this year, but... There were some things about the new normal that were kind of refreshing, right? You know, it's like speaking personally, just like, I don't know about you, speaking personally, being home for dinner every night, like no, no evening meetings, no offense to evening meetings, but, you know, there's, less, there's just like a whole lot of less running around from activity to activity, you know, maybe sports seasons canceled, and, and so all of a sudden what would have been from like baseball practice to this to that to that is, it, like last year was just like, uh, freedom. And, and there was less commuting. Got stuck in traffic yesterday. I was like, oh yeah, this. <laughs> there, there was a silver lining to a global pandemic. <laughs> and, and, you know, of course, you know, for some of us, you know, life changed more or less for some of us. You know, many, many still had to go to work. Many of you still had to go to work, but you know, at least you had less traffic. And admittedly, uh, extroverts had it harder this year than introverts. <laughs> but, but all of us slow down a little bit. And there was something refreshing in that. And so now as, as we actually return to something that might look like a long-term normal, and as the pa- pandemic recedes and masks come off <laughs> and everything re- reopens, we have this sort of unique opportunity to, to take stock and recalibrate and decide, maybe in some cases, what version of normal do we want to go back to? What, what patterns and rhythms that maybe started this year, may, maybe not, maybe were lost this year, like what patterns, patterns and rhythms do we want to build into our lives going forward? Because, because for, for all of us, this, this last year, and then now in sort of reopening and resuming life, it's sort of this big reset button has been hit on, on all of our lives. And that, that's what, that we're taking a couple weeks in this, this new little summer series here, uh, and that's what this series is about. We're, we're calling it Reset. Reset, finding a renewed normal. Because if this year has pushed this big reset button on all our lives, and now we resume school and work and travel and social lives and relationships and all that, we, we have the opportunity to reevaluate our priorities. And going forward, 
we have the opportunity as things have kind of ended and we're shut down and now as they resume, we can say, hold on, time out, before I just rush back into life as it used, as it used to be BC, before COVID, what, what, yeah, uh, what do I want to prioritize going forward? What should be priorities going forward? And so the, these three weeks, just doing this little three-week series, and we're going to look to God's word to help us reset, to help us prioritize. And I think one thing is going to be really clear. It's kind of the focus of what we're going to look at today, and it's just going to be really clear over these next three weeks, is, is this. Is the, the big idea for this message, and really maybe for the whole series, is that God wants us to prioritize being with him and being with his people. God wants us to prioritize being with him and being with his people. And, you know, after a year of social distancing and live streaming and virtual church, this is a really important emphasis. Because if we're going to find a renewed normal, it will start with prioritizing what God prioritizes. And that's his, his people. And so we're, we're trying to think through that in a sort of a co- coherent, cohesive way. One of the things we're doing this month, you might have seen some signs around, saw a slide. We're, we're calling this, this month Back to Church Month. Uh, as, you know, every Sunday, it's been, it's been so great to see more and more faces. And I, you know, I know some, some people are still in situations where they still have to be social distancing and, and all of that. And that's, you know, we're still, we're still doing that. Uh, but, uh, but this month, kind of proclaiming back to church month as we gather together and celebrate being able to be together and, and just do some fun fellowship things as well as look at how does God want us to reset our lives. And so we have some different events each, each week. Like, uh, like Katie mentioned, today after the service, stick around for the Bowman food truck. Uh, you know, uh, and even if you're on the live stream, hey, when the live stream ends, you know, turn off the TV, get, hop in the car, and you'll get here just as the line starts to shrink. It'll be perfect. <laughs> uh, next, next week, there's uh, a free boxed lunch for anybody and everybody who wants to stick around. Um, if you remember, we mentioned last week that we're having a church family meeting. Uh, for those who consider Grace Community their family, we're just having a, a, a quick and probably fairly casual meeting. They can grab some lunch because uh, that, that meeting, what we, we want to talk about is kind of as pastors share some of our thoughts about how we've been thinking about church this past year, trying like the challenge, the navigating challenges, and a little bit about how we're thinking of moving forward and sort of an open forum to ask questions about that. And so, so stick around for that next, next week. And then the following week is, is Father's Day, celebrating dads. Come, dads, we have a gift for you. Uh, and then free, free, yeah, that's the word, free Kona ice on the 27th. The Kona ice truck will be here, and it's just like free, all-you-can-eat snowballs. Hype up your kids on sugar. Uh, <laughs> and, and then I, I really should add, I really probably should add, July 4th is the next Sunday after that, uh, 4th of July, and we're going to do kind of a church picnic, lunch on the lawn here. So like lots of events, these fellowship opportunities all, all of these are opportunities to be together again, uh, to maybe to see people you haven't seen in a long time. So it's kind of like this big month-long family reunion, if you will, back to church month. 
And so today, I want to kind of lay a foundation for that, <laughs> back to church and God's, God's prioritizing of, of his people and the necessity to be together. And so we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10 today, the, the New Testament book of Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to be kind of dropping right into the middle of, of the author's thought here. And so, so the author of Hebrews, what he's doing in this paragraph is unpacking grace for us, the, the free grace that has been lavished on us, that we were singing about, forgiven, renamed child of God, this, this amazing grace shown to us in the cross, and we're going to see that it's grace that brings us together with God, and it's grace that brings us together with his people. So you can open up, if you have a Bible, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, And I'm going to start reading here in verse 19. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. This is, this is God's word for us, for his people, his church this morning. And you can see here, you, you can see grace. We have, that we have confidence to draw near by the blood of Jesus. It's grace. And then flowing out from that grace are, are three commands. It's, you can see in the words, let us do something, that, that, that means it's an imperative. There's a command here, three commands. In verse 22, let us draw near. Verse 23, let us hold fast. And then verse 24, let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. So I want to look at that, that, the grace first, that, that out of which these commands flow, that grace says that we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. So the book of Hebrews, if you haven't read Hebrews, what the book of Hebrews does is in the New Testament, it's a New Testament book, and it fills out all of the themes of the Old Testament and connects them to Christ in in just magnificent detail, drawing line after line of, if this was what was happening in the Old Testament, here's what it means now in Jesus. Line after line from the Old Testament to to the New Testament. And so when he says, we have confidence to enter the holy places, that's that's, that's a callback to the temple, the Old Testament temple, where there was the holy place and the most holy place. And God had told his people when they, when they built the temple and, they, and the tabernacle, he said, this most holy place, this is where I will dwell. And he's like, you know, I, I fill heaven and earth. I'm everywhere, and yet I, by my spirit, will put my presence here, right in the midst of you. And yet, though he, 
he promised and was right in the midst of his people. The whole temple sacrificial system around that really was one big keep out sign. Because this holy place where God, who as we sang is holy, 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 this is not a place that sinners can just come traipsing in with our, stained with our guilt and shame and death. Like it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You can't, just, you can't just come waltzing into the presence of a holy God any, any, less, any less than you could just be like, I'm going to go and stand on the surface of the sun today. In fact, that's a weak metaphor because the holy, holy, holy God and all his works praise his name. He speaks and things like stars happen. Things like the sun leap into existence. And so like, if you think you can't go and stand on the surface of the sun, how much more so can you not go and stand in the presence of the God who speaks into existence things like the sun? He, he is separate. He is other. And so sinners are excluded. Because the Bible is really clear, sin, sin, our disobedience, our rebellion against God, that, that, that separates us from God. It creates a chasm that I cannot cross because God is holy and I am not. And one of the whole purposes of the sacrificial system in the Old Testament is to help us see that that is our biggest problem. Like Whatever you think is the biggest problem in your life, that's actually your biggest problem, is that sin separates us from God, whether you realize it or not. And so in the Old Testament, there were, there were barriers, like physical barriers to represent this spiritual barrier. A curtain, a heavy, thick curtain separated the most holy place from the rest of the temple. And only the high priest, once a year, could enter that most holy place. And that, and that one high priest once a year, had to come with him bearing a sacrifice, a, an animal slaughtered, symbolically the, this animal's death in the place of, of the people, this, this animal symbolically taking the punishment that our sins deserve, and this animal dies, and so the, the high priest comes in carrying that death, carrying that sacrifice, carrying that blood in with him. See, sin requires death as punishment. It's, it's that serious. And so the, whole, the high priest could only enter once a year with blood. And that was it. Like, that was as close as you could get to God. But now, Hebrews says, but now everything has changed. God, God has not changed. God is still just as holy. God is still holy, holy, holy. The words that we sang that though the darkness hide thee, though, though, though the eye of sinful man, his glory cannot see, he is still that God. But now, Hebrews says, we have confidence. We, sinners though we be, have confidence to enter the holy places because we are coming in with a better sacrifice. Is we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. It says, by the, by the new and living way that he opened for us. And you know, th that word new there, it, 
is actually a really inadequate translation. You know, the, the Bible you know, was written in Greek, and the, the word, the Greek word there, uh, it, new just doesn't really quite cut it. It's, it. The Greek uses a really interesting word, only used once, only used here. And the word here literally means not just new, but newly slaughtered. Told you it's an interesting word. It means freshly killed. That's what the word here in, in Greek means. It's, it says that we have confidence to enter the holy places by the freshly killed and living way. What, what a phrase that is. We come into the presence of God, Hebrews says, by a freshly killed and yet living way. What that means is for, for Christians, if you put your faith in Jesus, every day is Good Friday and Easter for you. Every day is Good Friday and Easter. Jesus slaughtered and Jesus alive. It's, it's the same picture, really, that we have in other, other places the Bible paints, like Revelation 5, I mean, where we got the words that we sang, holy, 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 and Revelation 5 presents Jesus as a lamb standing as though it had been slain, which is a weird picture because slain lambs don't stand, right? But this one does because this one's alive. The lamb stands. The sacrifice is alive. That's what, that's what Hebrews means. It means that unlike the high priest in the Old Testament who brought in a dead sacrifice year after year, and then he left and the door closed and the curtain shut and there was no more access, now a better sacrifice and a better priest has gone in. And now the sacrifice lives and he still lives, and he always lives now to hold the door open for us. This, this is grace that has won us costly access. That you can, where, wherever you are, here on the live stream, whatever, in your bedroom, by kneeling at your bed at night, you can enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. You can come into the presence of God because the great priest and the living sacrifice is holding the door open, is holding the curtain open so that sinners like you and me can come into the presence of a holy, holy, holy God. This is, this is grace. This is mercy. And flowing out of that open door here in this text, flowing out of that open door of grace are three streams of grace. Those three commands I mentioned, sometimes, sometimes we, can, we can think a command is really as different than grace. But in this case, these three commands, these are just streams of more grace. This is grace upon grace, the grace that holds open the door and now flowing out of that door is more grace. It's the let us draw near, let us hold fast, and let us consider how to stir one another up. And so what, what I want to do is I want to take those in reverse order. I want to work backwards so that we arrive at the end of the sermon back at this grace that holds the door open for us. And so let's look at verse 24 here. Verse 24 
this stream of grace of saying, let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I want to get something clear here right off the bat. Anytime the pastor starts coming up, talking about you should come to church, <laughs> a misunderstanding can happen. Because you might hear, meet together, be together, stir one another, back to church month. You might hear that as, well, I better come to church to get into God's good graces. I, I, I'd, better, I'd better obey. I'd better get myself off the couch and get to church so that God can be happy with me so that I can earn some religious brownie points, so that I can jump through some of those hoops and God will be happy with me. That's not at all what this text says. That is not at all what I am saying. In fact, if anything, close to the opposite. If this command is a stream of grace flowing from that open door of grace, See, church is not where you come to get into God's good graces. Jesus is where you go to get into God's good graces. Jesus, he's the one who holds the door of grace open. He is God's good grace. And so if you've come to Jesus, you are in God's good graces. But flowing out of that good grace is more grace. These three commands, draw near, hold fast, stir one another up, they are themselves more grace flowing out of the grace of the gospel. They're not more hoops to jump through in order to try to earn some favor from God. They are more streams of more mercy, more of God's kindness in our lives. And so that means that obeying these commands is not how to get into grace. You are in grace And yet to skip out on these commands is really to miss out on the grace that is available to you in Christ. It's it's sort of like, and this is is probably a really imperfect analogy, so, so bear with me. It's sort of like Jesus is the lottery jackpot. Bear bear with me here. It's like Jesus is the lottery jackpot. And you know how you can take lottery winnings in like one big payout or you can take it like in yearly installments well with with jesus jesus is the is is the uh the true and better lottery jackpot because uh with jesus it's not an either or of like a one-time payout or a yearly installment it's with jesus it's both and and in this see in this new and living way that has been opened for us there is a moment by moment payout of grace Every moment of your life, Jesus is paying out grace to you. Grace that he has won, that he has purchased for you, freely given to you. There is a moment-by-moment payout. Every moment, every day is grace. And there is stored up for you an everlasting inheritance that we were singing about, an endless hallelujah, endless eternal riches of grace. So that there's this moment-by-moment payout of mercy and there's an eternal payout of eternal life. And you know, when we think about the Christian life, those are usually the two payouts we think of. The, the Jesus' love for me, moment by moment, sustaining and forgiving me, and you know, eternal life, that eternal payout. 
But you know what? There's a third payout. There's a weekly payout of grace. Moment by moment grace, eternal grace, and there's also Sunday morning grace. There's a weekly payout of grace that God's people gather to receive. A weekly payout that is meant to sustain and strengthen and shape us through the week. That's why, that's why the author of Hebrews says, don't neglect meeting together because there's a stream of grace flowing here to drink from. Like, he's like, don't walk away from that. You're like, you're leaving grace on the table here. There's more for you. And so, so what is this weekly grace that, that we receive? What do we show up here for? When you think about Sunday mornings, what is the grace here for you? And you know, there, there's, there's lots of correct ways to answer that question, uh, but there's only one particular view in mind here in Hebrews. You know, because you know, there's lots of, lots of good answers to that question of what's the grace being received here? In, like, why come to church? What grace is there? Well, you know, in, for, for those of us who are kind of like more in the Reformed tradition, when we think of Sunday morning grace, we might think of the preaching and worship. You know, God's word heralded and God's word sung, and, that, and that's true. There, there is grace here for us in this pulpit on the stage. And you know, if you come from maybe a more liturgical background, you might think of, of the sacraments, like the, the Lord's Supper, that there's grace for us there, and that's true too. But both of those miss what I think in Hebrews here is the crucial dimension of Sunday morning grace. Look at Hebrews 10.24 again. It says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. So the grace that is here for you this morning isn't just the grace here in the pulpit or the grace on the stage that we sing. Because, and you know, the reality is you can get that on the live stream. It's not quite the same like singing in your living room, but you, you, can, you can get this grace on the live stream. But the grace payout that God has stored up for you week by week by week, it's not the pulpit, it's not the stage. Look around, it's in the seats. It's you. You, church family, gathered You are the grace that God has stored up for each other. You are the means of grace. You are the fountain of grace flowing out of the open door of heaven's throne room to the people in this church. It's you. It's you. It says, let us consider how to stir one another up. So look look around. Stop looking at me. Look around. (laughs) The, the The people in this room, I know, they're not much to look at. And yet, and yet, this, this is God's grace to you. It's in the the one another, the church family that God has assembled here. It's not just in the preaching or the singing. It's in the stirring one another to love and good works. The grace that God intends that would land on his people week by week That grace comes through the effect that we have on one another. 
And that grace comes through. It's everything from, from the little things, like the smile at the door, the greeting in the colonnade, to the seemingly mundane things, you know, the, the encouragement, the, the, the food shared, the food truck. It's God's grace. <laughs> it's food shared together, sitting down, it's talking, those mundane things. And it comes in the profound, in the, the praying together, and the ministering together, and the weeping together, and the experiencing God's presence together, in the, the serving together, exhorting together. This is where grace is found. And I, I, I don't know if you've if you've experienced this as you've sort of returned, whenever, whenever it is that you re- have returned in the past year, whether you were here on like day one a year ago when we, when we reopened or whether it's been more recent. Um, but I have found, and, and as I talk to people, it seems like most people can relate to this. I, I have this year have usually come into Sunday morning drained, weary, and discouraged. And then I see you people. (laughs) And I leave more strengthened, more encouraged, more confident in grace than when I left. I mean, sometimes sometimes it's just a little effect. Sometimes it's a really big effect. And I'm like an introvert, so I know that's not just me being like a people person of I need human interaction. That's the grace of God that flows to me every single week through you people. And I'm so thankful for it. And like most of the time, it's, it's not big profound things of like people sharing how God has changed their life through some sermon. It's just like, it's just the people who all day during the week are just pixels on social media and now are face-to-face in person. And it's so much better. And I get filled up so that I can go and hang on for another week. Filled, and there's more grace through the week. Certainly, I want to be drawn near to him day by day, but there is a grace here that is meant to sustain through the week. And so I'm really thankful for you people. I'm really thankful for being, being able to be here in person. Things that we took, took for granted two years ago, we don't take for granted anymore. And you know, s- stirring one another to love and good works, that means uh, I, I come on Sunday expecting to receive grace from you people in the interactions with God's people here, but it also means if the command is let's stir one another up, it means that I also have to come expecting to contribute, to pour out God's grace to people. It means that God's grace flows as we resolve to not just be spiritual consumers, but contributors. And I actually wonder if perhaps maybe that's why I leave refreshed on Sundays. Maybe, maybe it's not so much that people that I got to see 
people and talked to people and, and people prayed with me. Maybe, maybe it's that I got to encourage some people and got to, got to speak into other people's lives, and so I got to leave refreshed. Maybe, just maybe, that's how grace works, is that as we pour out to other people, it turns out that we leave filled. See, it's, it's really easy to just sit back and consume spiritual content it's easy to do that on the live stream, but let's be honest, it's easy to do that here too, right? It's easy to just kind of walk in the door and sit down, consume some content, and leave. But to do that neglects the grace that God has for you and the grace that God has for other people through you. The grace that comes both by being served and by serving. You know, Katie, Katie mentioned that today, this Sunday, this is the first Sunday that, uh, that the nursery has, has reopened. The, the first Sunday in, in, by my count, 65 weeks. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a whole, whole cohort of babies aged out of the nursery, never got to experience the nursery. But the nursery is back. <laughs> and, and praise God for that. And those of you who have little kids are like, amen, hallelujah. The nursery is back. But you know how that happened? That happened because we found eight, I think it was like eight adults and eight teens who were willing to, stand, to, to step up and serve in the month, to kind of to, to, to come out of quarantine, to be like, I'll make this happen. And the effect is the whole body is served. If you're a parent, you're served. And the effect is people serving back there in the nursery they get, to, they get to cuddle with babies. They get, to, they get to see and interact with parents. They get the joy, and we get the grace. And that's just how it works. You see, the body needs you. First Corinthians, you know, we're, we're living in First Corinthians this year, uh, and First Corinthians says that, that the church, the local church, is like an organism. It's the body of Christ. It says that we're members individually of Christ's body and members one of another which means I need you. You're, you're my missing limb. And we have felt that this year. <laughs> we, like, could it be that some of your weariness, some of your discouragement is because you were missing limbs this whole year? And see, the, the reality is, is you just... You, you just can't replicate this particular stream of grace on the live stream. You know, the, the live stream has been such a blessing. I, I, I am probably daily, I daily thank God that Eric Mersch, wherever Eric is, like purchased that live streaming equipment, just so I haven't purchased that live streaming equipment like the end of February 2020, right before the world ended, <laughs> so that we were able to just pivot seamlessly to being able to, to stream the grace of the pulpit and the grace of the stage and worship. And it has been a lifeline for us this year. It has sustained us in difficult times, in lockdown and quarantine and social distancing. But look, we all feel it. It's not enough, right? Even if, if you're on the live stream this morning, it's not enough it, and, and the thing is, is it was never intended to be enough. So th- those of you watching on the live stream, I'm, I'm, 
Is that okay? I'm going to talk to the camera here for, <laughs> for a minute. Those of you watching on the live stream, and maybe for those of us who have experienced this this past year, the live stream, what the live stream has been for us this past year is life support. And I'm so thankful for that life support. I, I praise God for that life support. But what's the purpose of life support? It's to, it's to get you through the trauma so that you can get off of life support and get back to life. The purpose of life support is not just so you can chill in the hospital bed. And now, now some, some of you on the live stream, uh, you're, you're there because you're still in, in that trauma. That for whatever reason, like there are lots of reasons still that some people aren't able to return to us in person. And that, that's, that's totally fine. Praise God for life support. And so let, you know, if that's you on the live stream, let this message encourage you that God is faithful. Let it stir your hope that one day soon you'll be back. And, and in some, you know, so, some of you are on the live stream. Some people are, are tuning in watching uh, because maybe they're, they're visitors checking out the church for the first time or might not even be here geographically. It's kind of cool on the back end. Eric and I get to look at this stuff, and we have people regularly tuning in from different states and different countries. Our, our missionaries in closed countries get to like, join the service on, fa- on Facebook. And, like, and then there's first-time visitors just kind of checking out what, what we're about. The live stream is now kind of the front door of the church. And so like, if that's you on the live stream, praise God. We're so thankful for you. Uh, and, and actually, in fact, if, if you're one of those people watching right now, uh, we'd love to know you're here. So, like, say hi in the comments, and uh, we'd love to connect with you. Uh, but there is perhaps a third category of, of some of us. Some of us uh, uh, live stream viewers, and maybe, maybe some of us here. And that's those of us who have gotten comfortable on life support. Um, I mean, because it's easier, Right? I'm like, I feel you. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I really like church in my pajamas and coffee on the couch. That's, yeah, I'm, that's living the dream. <laughs> and I, I think it's this third, this third category that this is actually what's being addressed here in Hebrews. Because it, it says, warns against neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, that it's habit. That Greek word literally means become accustomed to. And you know, like we all got accustomed to church on the couch this year. Like many of, like most of us got accustomed to being spiritual consumers this year because it was life support and it just was, it became a habit. But that's not what life support is for. And so for, for those of you on the live stream who, like, you know in your heart of hearts, like, that, that's you, or those of us here in the seats, and you know it, it, it's me, I want to tell you on the authority of God's word, you need more than life support. You need more than that, and God has more than that for you. And so, so if that's you, if you've gotten really comfortable with the whole pajamas and coffee Sunday morning thing, here, here's my exhortation to you, people on the camera. Wear your pajamas. I don't care. Bring your coffee. Come to church. <laughs> Can we just have pajama day? <laughs> come in your, in your Sunday best pajamas. There is grace for you here. <laughs> and there is grace in these seats, these people. 
And so to neglect meeting together, to neglect meeting together is to turn down that weekly jackpot payout. It's to, to leave grace on the table and say, I've got what I need here, but it's not what you need. It's, it's, it's not enough. Because there is grace here that is meant to sustain and transform. And you know, it says all the more, it says do this and all the more as you see the day approaching and that day is capitalized because it's not, it's not just referring to like Monday morning, although hey, Monday morning is coming, you need grace for the week. But what it's referring to is the great day of the Lord, the return of Christ, when we will see him face to face and that return, that arrival, that arrival of the eternal payout of grace for God's people, that puts everything else in perspective. And on that day, all of our excuses get exposed, and all of our preferences get nullified, all of our idols get overturned, and all that's left is Jesus. So the exhortation here is live in light of that day. And we're told lots of places in the Bible is as that day approaches, life will be hard, life will get hard, life will stay hard. Life is hard until that day approaches. It gets darker before the dawn. And so until the arrival of the Lord's great, great day, there is grace in the Lord's weekly day to sustain us. And that sort of brings us to the second one. I told you we'd move backwards through these, through these commands. Verse, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Hold fast. It means, it means to grab a hold of the lifeline, to not let go. And so the, the, the author of Hebrews exhorts, and he's writing, really the book of Hebrews is written to people who are weary. They're under persecution. They're tempted to turn back to the life they've known. And, and over and over again, the author says, no, hold on, hold on. And so you know, the, the reality is, is we're, we're worn out. And like, it's, it's been a hard year. Like, it might just be good to just stop and acknowledge that. It's been a really hard year. Uh, COVID and not COVID, whatever. It's like there has been a lot of loss this year. So many of you have lost loved ones. Again, COVID or not, there's been a lot of loss and a lot of isolation, a lot of loneliness, a lot of anxieties and fears. The whole world seems like it's on fire. Life has just been hard this year. And so this command is actually grace. This is another stream of grace flowing to you, saying, hold on. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Our, our hope, our, my, the declaration that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King over this chaotic world, Jesus is Savior, he's rescuing me and rescuing all who put their hope in him. 
Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And we hold that confession. And yet we're worn out. So the question is, how, how can I hold fast? Like, wh- what do I do? Well, one, and this might be the, the most important and probably the most neglected in our individualistic mindset. I think God's primary means of equipping you to hold fast to his grace is don't neglect meeting together. It's that that third stream of grace is how we do the second one. We're we're weak and and we're worn out. I I see it and I hear it from person after person and I see it myself. I look in the mirror. We're we're worn out. And could it it be that one of the reasons that we're all worn out, because, you know, there's lots of reasons. There's, you know... Zoom meetings are exhausting. Your kids have been doing lot. Like you've been doing virtual school from home. Schedules have been disrupted. There's just lots of things that are weighing on us. But perhaps one of the reasons we're so weary and dry and discouraged is because we've been on life support all year. And so it, it would be really easy. One of the reasons that we're doing this reset series right now is because there's sort of. I think this is an urgent word. For, for some of us, whether you're on the live stream or whether you've started coming again in person, that there is grace to fill you back up, grace for refreshing, grace for revival, but we're so worn out that some of us might feel stuck. But my my plea to you is don't wait until you recover to start coming back to church. You know, like some of us, like, I I just need to get through this season. There's a a whole lot on my plate, and I just don't, like, I don't feel like I just got to do the live stream. And, you know, maybe there are Sundays for, for that. But if you wait until you have strength again, you will never have strength because this is where the strength is. This is where God wants to give you strength. And so it's not, so don't wait until you recover to start coming back and being a part of God's people. Coming back and being a part of God's people is how you'll recover your strength. And so it might just mean, so holding fast to the confession of our hope, and to do that might just mean for some of us I'm going uh, I'm gonna to re-engage. I don't, I don't feel it. I'm dry and worn out, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to start going to small group. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to church on Sunday. I'm going to reconnect with relationships that I, people I haven't seen in a year. Like, w- w- whatever it is, there's God's grace is waiting for you in those channels. And he's saying, hold on. And the second, the second way that we hold fast the confession of our hope. Just like one way is the, the third, is don't neglect meeting together. The other way is the first, is draw near to him. Draw near to him. And, and that's why it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope for because he who promised is faithful. 
Because the one that we draw near to by grace is a gracious and promise-keeping God. And if he promises that he has strength for his people, by golly, he has strength for his people. If he promises, I will never leave you or forsake you, by golly, he will never leave you or forsake you. If he promised, he's faithful. And so we can draw near. Look again back to kind of where we started Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. If I can have the, the worship team come, come back up. See, we draw near that the logic of this passage, the promise of this passage is that we draw near because the way is open. And the way is open, that way through the curtain that has been torn. I love the way that the, that the author of Hebrews weaves imagery together here. He says, he says that way through the torn curtain says that torn curtain is Christ's flesh on the cross. What that means is we're not, we're not coming into a holy place with a curtain. It says we're entering the true holy place through nail wounds. We're coming in through nail wounds. And the nails that ripped flesh also ripped the curtain separating God and man. And the spear that pierced his side opened up the way for us to get to his heart. And the way is open now. And so the invitation, that stream of grace is saying, draw near. Draw near with assurance, full confidence not because we have it all together, because we don't. We're a mess. We're sinners and rebels. Even those of us who are walking with Jesus, we are a mess. We come in full assurance because we're coming through nail wounds. We're coming to a high priest who saves. We're coming with assurance of his love. We're coming with the confidence that the word spoken over us is forgiven. So we draw near cleansed. Listen, if you feel exhausted and burned out, the promise here is that you have been cleansed. You have been forgiven. You have been given grace. You have been given strength. He has not left you, though you feel alone. And so we can draw near cleansed. We come in dragging the baggage of the week in order to lay it down at the foot of the cross. And we come to a Savior, church. We come to a Savior, to the sacrifice who is alive, to the great high priest who stands before the throne of God above with with my name graven in his hands, written in his wounds, 
And we see him there, the risen lamb, the sacrifice that lives, the great high priest who holds the door open for us. So church, let's, let's go in. Let's draw near. Because he who promised is faithful. Let's stand.